My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I have the absolute privilege to uh, pastor this church and to welcome you to be a part of it. Uh, if you are visiting with us, as she said in the video, I really want to encourage you to do us a favor and connect with us. And as she said, you can do it a couple different ways. You can text to connect. But the easiest way is right in front of you is a connection card. If you'll grab that for us and fill it out for all of our online viewers, you can do that online as well. Turn that into the Welcome Center as you're leaving. And we got a team. Not only do they want to give you a gift today, an uh, awesome gift you can take home, but we just want to connect with you. And listen, as I talked about last week, you need a biblical community in your life. You need a Christian church community in your life. And so we just want to connect and say, hey, thanks so much for visiting. See if we can answer any questions. So do that for us sometime throughout the service. Just fill out that connection card. And after service, take it right to that welcome center. Also, want to thank everybody that gives faithfully to our church. Uh, every week, every month. It's incredible what we're able to do. Uh, every week, I try to get up here and, and kind of cast a little bit of vision of not only what's happening in these walls, but what's happening outside. And so what we've been talking about over these past couple weeks is the involvement we have with Convoy of Hope, where we're providing water filters to third world countries that allow clean drinking water. And up to this point, we've already provided, ready for this? We've already provided 44 water filters. Come on. <laughs> So you say, what does that mean? I said this a couple weeks ago. One water filter produces 100,000 gallons of fresh water. So I, I'm not the best at math, uh, but I'm going to say 44 times 100,000 is somewhere in the 4.4 million. Is that right? Everybody, everybody, so 4.4 million gallons of clean water. Come on. We got to get excited about that. Like, hey, we got, look, I, I, I said this a few weeks ago. Until you're without clean water, you don't appreciate clean water, right? Uh, and so there are people dealing with it every day. And it's just cool, I think, to be able to be in here today. Uh, obviously, as we celebrate five years, I was doing my mic check and Darla presented to me this book from a lot of our Dream Team members and stuff, just different stories from the testimonies of what God's done in their life. And I, they said, don't read it now. You're going to cry. And I don't need to cry before I preach. Um, I'll have you crying by the time it's over, but let's not do it before. And um, so just, you know, it's cool to see what God's doing in these walls as well as outside of these walls in five years, guys, five years, Darla and I had the opportunity to go on a date uh, this week, and we just sat there and ate dinner and reminisced on what all has happened over the past five years. We talked about our journey and when we, when we first thought about doing this and living in Memphis and uh, having to walk away from a full-time job and move our kids away from their grandparents. And uh, we had a team of people that said, hey, let's go, let's do it together. So not only were we putting our lives at risk, but we were putting their lives at risk. Um, and then to move here and we watched uh, our, our church that was going to support us ended up having to kind of take that support away. And we really had to trust God financially. And we went from finding the school. We, do y'all remember? How many of y'all remember setting up every Friday night? Right? Um, see, those of you that don't remember it, you don't appreciate it. All right? For, for four years, we didn't have a Friday night. We just, we gathered at the school and we set up and then we did church. And then after church, we tore down and and we just sat there eating our pretzel bites, thinking about how good God is. And uh, as Brian said, this is the year of grace. And, and I believe that we're going to see God move on our hearts and on this church like we've never seen it. And I think this year is going to be impactful. And I want to tell you to get ready. Yeah. Get ready. Because as much as victory has blessed you, God wants to use you to be able to bless other people by using this church as a resource. 
And so look around for a second because God's already moving, but we're moving even something better and even something greater in the rest of this year. And so be ready, be prayerful, be ready to serve, be ready to give, be ready to impact Antioch, be ready to see more people come to know Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right. Y'all excited? All right, I got a word for you. You ready? Do me a favor. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and open them up. Nehemiah chapter 4. Uh, you can watch uh, on the screen. The scripture will be on the screen. We have an app on your phone that you can go to, and all of the notes will be there, but you can also follow around in your paper Bible on your phone. As you're turning and getting ready, Nehemiah chapter 4 in the Old Testament, let me just set you up for what we're doing right now in this series. Brian mentioned it for a second. It's a series called Rebuilding, and every year I feel like the Lord puts a word on my heart for our church, and this year it was rebuilding, but it wasn't rebuilding back to what it was, because that's the temptation to think that we're just rebuilding it back to what it was, but it was rebuilding it back to better than it was and what it was actually supposed to be based on God's promise over our life. And so we talked the first Sunday about in order to rebuild anything, our marriages, our relationship with God, our finances, we have to be able to get the right perspective of God. And then the second week, we talked about how it's important to establish biblical boundaries and to not just let culture decide everything for us, but to set up biblical boundaries. And then last week, we talked about the importance of the right community and the people around you. So that was kind of the triangle to it. Um, And so Nehemiah chapter four, you're going to see kind of a new concept introduced that I want to talk about today. And then we'll get into the word. Nehemiah chapter 4. We're going to start reading at verse 7. If you're following along with us, verse 7. We'll go to verse 14 and then go from there. It says, But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, and the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they became very angry. So Nehemiah has a message from the Lord to rebuild these walls in Jerusalem. And when he starts the process, some enemy hears about it and they get angry. It says, they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God, and we posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. The people are getting tired, and there's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. And also, then our enemy said, before they know it or before they see us, we'll be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to this whole work, this whole idea of rebuilding. We're going to put an end to it. And then the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times over, watch this for the lack of encouragement, wherever you turn, they're going to attack us. You got anybody in your life that always reminds you that you're not going to be able to succeed? No matter how hard you try, you're going to fail. Thanks. Appreciate that. Keep that up. (laughs) Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And after I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles and to the officials and the rest of the people, watch this, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And watch this. Fight for your families. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your wives. And fight for your homes. I want to talk to you this morning from this idea. What to do with discouragement. What do I do with discouragement? You may have heard us say this in case you didn't know. We have been on a 21-day fast leading up to this point as a church. We started it 
Uh, I don't remember the exact date. Excuse me. Uh, try to put those numbers real quick. But we started it three Sundays ago, and we've been going for 21 days. And I've, people have posted, fasted social media, fasted food, fasted sweets, coffee, all these different things. And today it comes to a close. And so as you guys leave today, we're going to have treats out in the lobby. So those of you that have been fasting sweets, you get to just go ham right outside in the church lobby as you leave. My daughter has a popsicle in the freezer with a tag on it that says for after the fast. She ain't playing no games, y'all. Um, it was so sweet. My, I have a 13-year-old and an 8-year-old, Veda and Casey. And they, on their own, they said, we want to fast and we want to fast uh, desserts. We want to fast desserts during these 21 days. And Darla and I were like, oh, that, that, that's awesome. We would love it. And so they begin to process. And poor Casey Ray, she started the fast on a Sunday. And that Monday, she's at school. And she gets some type of reward in school. And her reward is a massive chocolate bunny. You know, so she gets in the car and she's just crying and, you know, she's like, God, why have you forsaken me? You know, life, right? Uh, and then, you know, I don't make it any better because a couple of weeks later, we, we, we have a Publix near our house and that's where we do majority of our grocery shopping. And so we, we go into Publix and Publix has a bakery that has free cookies for kids. And so when kids come in or adults, you know, can I get an amen? Um, and so Casey Ray runs up, and every time we go, every time, she gets her free cookie. So if she finds out that I'm running the public, she goes, Dad, can I go? Because she's going to get a free cookie. And so it's just kind of become routine. And so I walk into Publix, and she's on the left of me, and the bakery's over here, and she's going that direction. And I said, Casey. And she turns around, and she looks at me, and I said, what are, what are you doing? And she's like, what? She's eight years old. I said, what? I said, your cookie. And she goes, Dad. <laughs> Literally, this was her, her posture. And I was like, I was confused. I forgot. I said, what? And she goes, the fast, duh, in Publix for the world to know, you know? And so I was like, I'm sorry, baby. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to, you know, come at you like Satan in the wilderness. You know, I'm sorry. But uh, she, she reminded me of something in that moment, that anytime you and I decide to rebuild an area of our life, we can expect opposition and obstacles, both externally and internally. Anytime that you decide that you're going to embrace the presence of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God and the word of God, and you're going to apply it to your personal life or to your marriage or to your finances, to your spiritual walk, anytime you decide you want to move on up like the Jeffersons, anytime you want to start to be better, you can expect some kind of attack or opposition. If you decide you're going to Start, you know, doing better with your finances and you want to put a budget in place and you want to start tithing. Normally, you can expect to have an unexpected bill. Amen, church? Anytime you decide that you're going to start working on your marriage and you're going to let God be involved in the middle of it and help you, it seems like you have your biggest marriage disagreement, right? Anytime you decide that you're going to get real about your faith, start pursuing a relationship with God again, it seems like all of a sudden your worst temptations start to fly. When you decide to fast, it's like Crumble puts out their best cookie lineup. You know? I've got a friend that decided to fast social media, and the week she decided to fast social media, they put her wedding video on social media. Because anytime you try to do something great for God, the enemy doesn't like it. So in comes opposition and obstacles, and if we're not careful, we can have energy and enthusiasm and excitement about this idea of rebuilding something new, and then the second we start to experience discouragement, we'll collapse and crumble. 
I was telling the, the group that was here uh, Thursday night for our worship and prayer night, when I first started studying the book of Nehemiah, it was interesting to me because in chapter one, God put something on his heart to rebuild these walls. Just like when you're in here and God puts something on your heart and you walk out and you want to rebuild something better in your life, God puts it on Nehemiah's heart. And then we watch as God starts to provide all of the resource and the king writes him a letter that says you can go and gives him all the money and all the timber and all these different things in chapter two. Then in chapter three, as we talked about last week, all of these people show up to help him with their tools and their family. And I was like, this is confusing to me because it's like blessing, blessing, blessing. And I was like, where is the discouragement? Where's the opposition? Because I don't know about you, but when I decide to do something great for God, it isn't always a walk in the daisies, right? It seems like, yes, you know, God will do this, God will do that, but then there's something is, you know, I'm making good progress, but now there's an argument. I'm making good progress, but there's a bill. I'm making good progress, but now I'm sick. You know, it just seems to always be some type of opposition. And I opened up Nehemiah chapter four and I went, there it is. Sanballat and Tobiah, there it is. There's the discouragement. There's the opposition. And this opposition is not going to go anywhere. So in case you're one of those people that have been taught that because you believe in Jesus, you will never experience opposition, I'm going to let you know that all the way through the book of Nehemiah, they do not leave. Opposition doesn't leave. God just teaches Nehemiah how to fight. It's different. It's important for us to understand this because anytime you feel like or you begin to start making progress, you can expect your enemy to start plotting. When you start to make progress, man, I'm reading scripture. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm, I'm, I'm praying more. And then all of a sudden, the enemy's plotting. What can we do to throw them off? I tell you what, I'm going to make the baby not sleep tonight, and they're not going to be able to sleep. And when they would normally wake up and read the Bible, they're not going to be able to open their eyes. You see what I mean? The moment you start to make progress, ooh, look at their marriage, it's getting healthy. Let me find a way to make them fight over laundry. You know what I'm saying? Like, how can I just figure out, how can I plot? Because they're making progress. And similar to the book of Nehemiah, when the enemy wants to detour us from what God's doing in our life, his first strategy to try and stop God's work in our life is to discourage us through doubt, through fear, through rejection, through insecurity, through pain, past expectations. And also similar to Nehemiah, God does not remove our opposition. We can never expect that at some point we're going to wake up and never experience the attack of the enemy. The goal is not for God to remove opposition. The goal is for God to train us how to fight it. How do we fight it? How do we move forward when we're wanting to rebuild areas of our lives, but opposition's coming at us? So what I felt on my heart today was to leave you today with a little bit of the word and wisdom on how to fight against discouragement. But before we get into fighting it, we have to address one thing that I saw in Nehemiah chapter 4 that I think is important for our lives. The first step of what we're going to do with this encouragement, before we can fight it, listen to me, this is what we have to do. We have to remove the rubble. And you say, what does that mean? Let me show you. Let's go back to Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 10. I want to read this to you, and I'm going to break it down. Watch this. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. The people who are rebuilding the wall are tired. The individuals who are trying to rebuild their marriage are tired. The people who are trying to rebuild their financial state 
they're tired. The people who are trying to rebuild their home and their children to be able to walk in the glory of God, they're tired. The people who are trying to rebuild their relationship with Jesus Christ are tired. The people who are just trying to rebuild life after 2020 are tired. And there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Now, that word rubble, what it, what it means is it's fragments of the old wall. See, there used to be a wall there, and the enemy destroyed the old wall, burned it down, broke it down, and pieces of the old wall, similar to this confetti, are just laying all over the place. So I want you to imagine just fragments of rocks, and they're saying, listen, we can't rebuild the new wall because there's too many pieces of the old wall in the way. So in order for us to rebuild the new, we've got to remove the old. Make sense? When we decide to build anything in our life, when we decide to do anything new in our life, our first step is to remove the old. If we want to rebuild relationships, we have to remove past hurts, right? If we want to rebuild our finances, we have to remove old habits, if we want to rebuild our spiritual walk with the Lord, we have to remove old theologies. We have to be able to get the past and the things we've been through and the experiences and things that didn't go the way we thought they would go and the wrong teachings and the fights and the misunderstandings. we got to remove those things first before we can build anything new. God wants to rebuild something better for us, but we keep returning to how it was before. Think about that. God wants to rebuild something better, but there's something in us that keeps going back to the way it was before. I was talking to Casey Ray yesterday, and we got this plan. I can't say what it is because Veda knows we're doing it, but she doesn't know what we're doing. But we're going tomorrow uh, to celebrate their fast because they did a phenomenal job fasting desserts for 21 days. So we got a surprise for them. So Casey Ray's sitting at the table, and she's having a Lunchable. And in the Lunchable is this little stale, fake Chips Ahoy cookie. And she pulls this little, you know, cookie out, and she looks at me, and she goes, when does the fast end? And I said, tomorrow, after church. And she goes, it's only one day, saying, like, I can quit now, you know? And I was like, no, 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 wait a minute. I said, you don't want to ruin what you got coming, you know what I mean? Like, like don't, don't waste that for a Chips Ahoy fake cookie, you know like, what you got coming is so much better. And she's like, but I, I always eat it. Listen to me. Just because it always happens, just because it's the way it was before, let's not settle for that in a way that we miss out on the better that God has for us, right? For a lot of us, the problem isn't believing that God wants to do something new. We believe it. We just struggle letting go of the old. You believe the grace of God. You believe the love of God. You believe the purpose of God. You believe he wants to do great things, but we just can't let go of the old. Yeah. Let's be honest. The old is comfortable, yeah. right? Like it may not be good for us, and we know it, but man, it's comfortable. Y'all all got something that you run to. Some of y'all, it's like old sweaters. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like when you get home, my wife, she has a, a sweater. It's her father's. It's, it's an old hockey sweater. And it has like bleach stains on it. And the pictures of the hockey players is real faded. And, and, and it's, it's old. 
But the second we get home and she's ready to get comfortable, she's out of whatever she's wearing and she's into this sweater. I don't know what it, somehow it still smells good to this day. I don't know, again, I don't know if it's bleach or what the situation is, but it just smells good. But I'm telling you, that's how I know we're in for the night. <laughs> she comes walking out in that sweater. I'm like, I can put some house shoes on. We're done. No more shopping, no more going, right? Because it's comfortable. She's not going to wear it out, but it's comfortable. Some of y'all got shoes. You know what I mean? There's holes in them. Your big toe sticks out to the side, but they're comfortable. They're not cute, but they're comfortable. Y'all with me? How many of y'all got something right now? You're already thinking about it. It's at home. It's old. You can't wait to leave here today. You're trying to get home. You're, you almost wore it to church. One time, Brian was going to get up here and do announcements, and he had some Crocs on, and Erica found out about it. She said, you better not get on that stage in them Crocs. Because they're comfortable, but they ain't cute. You know, I'm getting older. I've been sharing this with y'all. Knocking on the door 40. And so, so every day I do something else to um, really solidify the season of life I'm in. The rocking chair is coming. It's not here yet, but it's coming. And so I needed something really comfortable that I could just put on. Like if we were going to run down to the grocery store, if I had to go check the mail or something, I just wanted to be able to put some quick shoes on. You know what I mean? I didn't want to have to lace up shoes and be worried about whether or not they were going to get dirty if it was raining. I just wanted something comfortable. And so I started thinking about Crocs. But I would never pay my money for Crocs, you know what I mean? Because Darla and I would go look at them. She said, hey, let's go look at them. So we go to the Crocs store, and we walk in, and there'd be all these silicone slippers, you know what I mean, just <laughs> everywhere. And I'd walk up, and I'd be like, I'm assuming these are going to be about $10 or $11, right? Because, I mean, let's be honest, they're made out of used tires, you know what I mean? Like, I should just, should be an easy fix. They're not even a whole shoe, you know what I mean? They got the little band in case you decide to run. Like, let's be honest, something's not right, you know? And so she goes, oh, these are cute. Look at these. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get these. And I turned, and they were like $60. I'm like, the devil is a liar. No way. But for Christmas, I got a gift card. And y'all know God's blessing is in a gift card because you have to spend it there, right? You can't, you know, turn around and use it for bills or whatever, you know, the way I operate. So I went, I bought me some Crocs, put them on. I'm like, man, these things are comfortable. They're worth it, right? So I'm at home, and anytime I got to go do something, I go put on my Crocs, and they're black. And they're awesome. And there's this new thing now. There's these new things where the Crocs have holes in them. You know what I'm talking about? And you get these little rubber things and you point them in a hole. And they're little tidbits. Tidbit, gibbets, gibbets. I keep calling them tidbits for some reason. Sorry, Veda. I got, I got one gibbet in one of my shoes right now. It's the Stranger Things that my daughter gave me. I got a bunch of them in the Amazon shopping cart. But I ain't confident enough yet to pull the trigger. But, but I'm going to be able to put a little gibbet. So, so I get my Crocs. And one day I'm at home, and I realize I got to take Veda somewhere. So watch this. I got, I got my comfortable sweater, which is an oversized Victory Church hoodie, all right, from the, from the classic old days. You got to be a real Christian to have one of them. You, you were here, and we were setting up on Friday nights. You know? so, so I put this oversized hoodie on. It's all baggy, and my little shorts, and I got my little ankle Nike socks, and I put on my Crocs, and I don't put the band over because I ain't going to run or anything. So I just leave the band, and I come walking out. And I'm standing there, and my daughter is getting her socks, and she sees me, and she goes. <laughs> and all the insecurity from high school just came back. <laughs> I forgot for a moment that I pay the bills on this house. <laughs> and she looked at me, y'all, no lie. She, just she looked at me, she went, that's not for you. 
I said, well, ain't that. Because apparently I was comfortable, but I wasn't cute. <laughs> Felt the Spirit of the Lord tell me this. Watch. When it comes to holding on to your past, it's not for you. It's not for you. It may be comfortable, but it's not cute. It, it may be comfortable, but it's not what God has for you. See, I'm learning that sometimes I'm more loyal to my past then I am excited about God's promises. Think about that. How is it that I'm more loyal to the way it used to be than I am expectant of what God's promised me? And if I'm not careful, I'll try to hang on tight to something and keep it and just keep proclaiming. Sometimes I proclaim my past louder than I proclaim his promises. Something's wrong with that. And I'm learning that God's future promise for me is greater than my past experience. God's future promise for me is greater than my past experience. When Jeremiah the prophet sits down to write scripture, in the 29th chapter, in the 11th verse, he says, for God knows the plans he has for me. Plans to prosper. Plans for hope and a future. He's inspired by the Holy Spirit to write down this, that God's future for you is better than your past. That what he's promised you is something you need to embrace. So if we'll be willing to let go of our past, we can embrace the future. You see what I'm saying? That we can't stay so loyal to our past that we miss out on God's promise for our future. But before God will help us build the new. He wants to help us heal the old. I kept reading Nehemiah chapter 4. And I found that rubble word and it really stood out to me. And I kept on that and I kept on that and I kept on that. I'm reading verse 10 and he's talking about how the people who are building the wall are tired. And then they say, there's too much rubble to rebuild the wall. And I read it again. It says the people are tired because there's too much rubble trying to rebuild the wall. The people are tired and there's too much rubble for them to rebuild the wall. And all of a sudden it hit me. They're tired because they're trying to build a new wall on top of old rubble. And when you try to build something new on top of something old, that's not solid foundation. And so as you're trying to build something new, every time you get it up just a little bit high, something happens because the foundation's old and it's cheap and it's not stable, and as you're making progress on this new wall, something about the foundation, which is not set, moves, and all of a sudden it falls down. And so now they're exhausted. So they go and pick up the bricks again, and they start the process again, and they're rebuilding again on top of old rubble. And they get up to a certain distance, and it's like Jenga, right, where all of a sudden it starts to move, and they're like, not again. And they're tired because they keep trying to build a new wall on old rubble. Some of us are discouraged Because we are trying to build new walls on top of old rubble. Some of us are trying to build new relationships, right, on old hurts. New faith, old failures. Trying to build new miracles on old mindsets. New beliefs on old theology. This is why we say things like this. 
I don't know what it is about me, but I just feel like every time I get in a relationship, it ends the same way. Maybe I'm just not meant to be in a relationship, right? Say something like this. Um, I don't know what it is about me, but every time I try to get my finances in order, something else happens. And I guess, watch this, I guess I'm not good with money, right? And the, the pattern that we see that keeps frustrating us well, I had one relationship and it ended this way. And then I had another relationship and it ended this way. And I had another relationship and it ended this way. And here's what the world will tell you. Well, I guess it's you. I guess there's something wrong with you. But I want to give you a different thought. I want you to look at it like this. What if it's not that there's something wrong with you? But what if you keep trying to build something new on top of old foundations? What if you haven't removed the old habits, the old hurts, right? The old processes. Sometimes we got to go in and do a little surgery. Sometimes we got to forget this. Listen, you can't build a healthy marriage if you keep bringing up the past, right? You can't all of a sudden be blessed financially if you just keep operating in the same habits. And so at some point, if we're going to build something new, we got to let the Spirit of God remove the old has to be an opportunity for us to say, hey, guess what? This has got to go. And because it's hard to make peace with broken pieces, here's the part that gets me. We, would, we will eventually begin to assume that God's will for our life must not be new. If we can't remove the old, and it's hard to do, and we keep seeing the same pattern and the same pattern and the same pattern, We'll start to assume that I guess God's blessings just aren't for me, right? Well, I see it with my friends, or I see it with my parents, or I see it with people I work with or go to school with, but I guess that's just not for me. And think about this. The enemy succeeds at making us believe that God made a promise to someone else, but not to us. And the reason we believe it is because no matter how hard we try, we can't seem to succeed. But the problem is we continue to try to build it on old foundation. And so the people are tired. And I think it's possible that there are people in here today who are tired. And you keep trying to build the same new wall on the same old foundation. Man, it seems like every time I get a job, it ends the same way. I feel like every time I go to church, it's the same thing at every church. And I go to a different church, and it's the same thing again. And I go to a different church, and it's the same thing again. I get a new job, and it's the same thing again. I get a new job, and it's the same thing again. What if the problem is we're trying to build something new without removing old rubble? What if we're trying to move forward without ever actually dealing with the past? And here's a moment that I want to set you free on. The grace of God is permission for you to leave your past and embrace God's future for your life. Some of us just need permission. Because you can't seem to let it go because it keeps coming back. Well, if I did this before, then I'm going to do it again. So we voluntarily keep it. 
and we use it as an excuse to not embrace God's promise. God says, I never put that on you. Romans actually says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So in other words, if I'm in Christ, I don't have to carry that around anymore. It's my choice to carry it. But there's something better. Let me ask you a question. How many of y'all got an iPhone? If you got an iPhone, raise your hand. If you got an iPhone, all right, okay, just get an idea. What number are we on right now? Anybody know? Thir four, what is it? 14? 37? Something like that. How many of y'all got the iPhone 14? Y'all got the, any rich people in here got the iPhone 14? Y'all better be tithing, all right? I'm iPhone. Okay. Joking. There's going to be a phone in the offering basket today. How silly would it be? Frederick, you raise your hand, right? You got the iPhone 14. How silly would it be? If I went over to Frederick's house for dinner, and I walked in, and on the counter in the kitchen was iPhone 1, and iPhone 2, and iPhone 3, and iPhone 4, all the way to 13. And I walked in, and I said, what is this? He said, oh, I just keep them. What do you keep them for? I don't know. I got them just in case I need them. I got the 14, and it's got all of these new features, and it's got all these opportunities and abilities. But I'm just keeping these in case. It'd be silly, right? Let me, let me rewind. Let me, let me make it even more real. real how many of y'all got the iPhone? Raise your hand again. All right. How many of y'all, keeping your hands up if this is you, how many of y'all got a new iPhone at some point? All right. You had one. You got a new one. Keep your hands up. How many of y'all kept the old one? You didn't keep it. But watch. When we get the grace of God, when we move into the promises of God, somehow we're keeping all of these things. We're, we're bringing them with us even though we can't use them. Even though they're pointless now. They're useless now. We should get rid of them. But we keep them around when God's saying, look, here's the permission for you to let them go. Let them go and embrace God's promise. I'll give it to you biblically. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 and 19. Watch this. But the Lord says, who said it? The Lord. Not Troy. Who said it? The Lord. Just making sure y'all are on point. Do not cling to events of the past or dwell on what happened long ago. Do not hang on to the past. Watch this. Watch for the new thing I'm going to do. Now, here's what I love about God. Watch this. He immediately puts right after he says, because the temptation here for us is this. Okay, he's going to do something new. So I'm still in the old, but I keep waiting on God to fulfill his promise. Because he said, I'm going to do something new. So I'm in the old, waiting on the new. But God said, I'm going, uh, this thing I'm going to do, watch this, it's happening what? Already. already. It's happening already. There's already something new telling you that the ability for us to walk away from our past is perspective. Nobody drives looking through the rearview mirror, right? So God's saying we got to be able to release the past. And embrace what he is going to do. Watch this. But also what he is already doing. Darla and I were at dinner that night and we're talking about all of the crazy stories that we've experienced over the past six, seven years from leaving Memphis to moving here to building the church. And y'all, there were some hard stories in there. People that we were really close to that weren't around anymore. Moments where God showed up at just 11.59, you know what I mean? Can I be real honest? Moments, it just stayed hard. There, there was no like, oh, God redeemed it. Like it was just, it just, it, it sucked. Can I say that in church? It, it was hard. 
But you know what we didn't do? We didn't quit. And we didn't sit there and just soak in the past. Right? Because it's one thing to acknowledge it because it made you who you are. It's a different thing to embrace it and allow it to stop you from moving forward. So it's one thing to say, hey, it happened. And it was unfortunate. But God never left us. And even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. And I'm starting to learn that my faith is greater when I look at it backwards. Because when I'm in it, it's really hard for me to see God moving. But I trust God in the midst of it. And when I come out of it and I look back, I go, oh, God, you're so good. You know what I mean? Like there were moments we were eating dinner with my in-laws and I was showing him a building that we were considering for our church. But God didn't give it to us. Y'all heard me tell the story if you've been here back. I was so mad at God when he didn't do it. It was cheaper. It was closer to where we were. Everything about it made sense. It would have checked every box. And God gave it to another friend of mine who used to be in this building. I said, God, have you lost it? Like at some point, did, you, did your IQ, y'all like, you can't talk to God like that. I'm not. I'm talking to you like that. Okay, I'm not talking to God like that. But I am having an honest conversation. Like, God, don't you, I, do I see this better than you see it? Like, it makes sense to me. Fast forward, watch this. The building is too small already. The building doesn't have, it has less kids' room than we have. And we're renovating another room because we got kids coming out of the woozah or whatever you say that. Wazoo. <laughs> Woosah. All right, bring it back in. We're going to lose the Holy Spirit. Hold on, bring it back in. We found out that because of a restaurant that's beside it, they can't do music at night. Jeff A., Thursday night, you stood right here and led us in a worship night. And people are walking around, praying together, hands up. We're screaming, Mike, get loud. We wouldn't have been able to do it there. I'm in the present going, God, am I greater than you? Do I think better than you? How do you not see this? And God's going, would you please? I'm so far beyond you. I'm operating over here, Troy. So one, if you want, it's okay. I've been doing life with you for 38 years. I'm here to comfort you. But if you'll just trust me and understand that you can be in the past, but don't let the past stop you from moving forward, right? It happened. It happened. But let's remove it and start building something new. Because if we don't remove the old, we'll put limits on the new. And if we're going to put limits based off of old that's still there, isn't it just the same old limits? Aren't we putting old limits on new walls? Because we're not willing to remove the past. And so God's saying, rebuild your marriage and make it greater than it's ever been, but we're putting limits on it based on how our marriage used to be. God's teaching us grace and telling us how this relationship with him is going to be phenomenal, and we keep putting legalistic limits on him. Because until we can remove the rubble, it's going to be hard to build anew. And we're going to get exhausted building it up, watching it fall and building it up and watching it fall and building it up and watching it fall so God strengthens us so that we can let go of our past 
and he compels us to embrace the future. And when we release our grip on our past, God releases his grip on our future. Casey Ray is holding a stale Chips Ahoy cookie. And she's so excited, y'all, you would have thought it was a brownie a la mode. (laughs) And she has no idea what waits for her tomorrow night. But everything in her mind goes, I got to hang on to this. And I'll, I'll give it up for this. Spirit of God. Because this is what I know. She loves Lunchables. It's what she knows. How many of us are just on the edge and we have no idea what God's got for us tomorrow, but we keep holding on to this because it's what we know. It's how it was always done in my family. It's what I know. It's the way I've been since I was 16 years old. It's what I know. It happened in every past relationship. It's what I know. I've been in debt since we got married. It's what I know. And legalism will tell you that you need to work harder to change what you know. And grace will tell you that God has forgiven you for what you know. So move forward and embrace what he's already doing. So I'm thinking about us as a church. I'm thinking about all that he's about to do. I need you to understand 23 is about to be really uncomfortable for you. Because where we are right now might be cute. Actually, it's like this. It might be comfortable but it ain't cute. And I think God's about to move us into a place of his promises manifesting in our life. But we're going to have to get uncomfortable a little bit. We're going to have to be able to admit our past, and then we're going to have to be able to allow the Spirit of God to move us past it. But every time that I get up here to preach, I try to tell you this, I've, I've already processed this through with myself. And here's the thing I kept coming back to is these are cute words until you walk outside and get hit with life. I love what Mike Tyson says. He says, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. (laughs) Right? So we walk out and we're like, ooh, I'm about to forgive my past. You know, and you walk out and boom, past. There you go. So there's got to be a plan. There's got to be a strategy to not only fight against our past coming back, but to fight for our future. God told Nehemiah, fight for your family. Fight for your wife. Fight for your kids. Fight for your home. This is the Spirit of God. Now, Nehemiah did say this, and I said it week one. God will fight for us. But there's a way that he does it. And if we don't understand this, we will try to fight the fight out of our own strength, and we will become discouraged and tired like the people in Nehemiah. And no matter how hard we try, those walls won't be rebuilt. So I want to leave you today with a way to fight. I I got some friends in here, retired military. Like, this is the kind of stuff they get up for. 
Teach me how to fight him. I want to punch him in the face. Teach me how to fight him. Put him in a head. He's talking to my father-in-law. He was talking about a wrestling move he does called the step over toe hold. Found out he made it up. <laughs> Surprise. But teach me, teach me the step over toe hold for the enemy. You know what I'm talking about? So I want to show you how we fight. Nehemiah chapter 4, watch this. It says, from that day on, from that day on, half of my men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears and shields and bows and armor. And the officers posted themselves behind all of the people of Judah who were building the wall. Watch this. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon with the other. They did their work with one hand and they held a weapon with the other. I started seeing this. Chris, help me real quick. I started seeing this in my mind. I had to get an idea. Thank you, sir. I had to get an idea of it. Because they're laying bricks. Chris taught me this is a trowel. How you like that, Dana? <laughs> trowel. Be able to lay some bricks. So, so, so in one hand, in one hand, they've got the tool that they need to do the work. And in the other hand, they got a weapon. So this is, this is literally the visual I started to see. And here was my first thought. You ready? This looks exhausting. This is a real sword. It's heavy just holding up. I should have worked out more. This look, and this is how some of us are approaching life. We're working and we're fighting. We're, we're fighting and we're working. And we're exhausted and we're discouraged. And I'm like, God, this doesn't really help me. Because not only did I think you were going to have a plan, I thought you were going to have a way better plan than for me to fight with one hand and work with the other. This looks like the stuff I was taught in Sunday school. This is tough. And I started studying more and more, and I remembered the sword is the word. Remember the armor of God? The sword is the scriptures. It's the Bible. The sword, watch this, is the promises of God. And then this is the work that I'm doing to try to move forward in the promises of God. So I've got the promises of God, and I've got the work that I'm doing. Watch this. Okay, so here's what you got to understand. This right here is my confidence in the Word of God. This right here is my commitment to God's process. I'm going to say it again. This is my confidence in the Word of God. This is my confidence that if God said it, it'll be done. That if God promised me, it's going to happen. And this is literally the process, the commitment I have to the process that God just keep praying. Go to the marriage conference. Do a Bible study together. Talk to your kid about Jesus. Take them out of school. Put them in school. Take them to church. It's the commitment to the process, and it's the confidence in God's word. And at that moment, that's when I realized, if that's what it is, then does it really work for me? If all I have to do is be committed to the Word of God, this is what God said, and then be committed to the process, that's way less exhausting for me. Because proclaiming God's Word and His promises activates my faith. And staying committed to the process, process 
demonstrates my faith. Did you catch that? Proclaiming the promises activates my faith. Committing to the process demonstrates it. I was telling Chris about this. He said, what? He said, one's offensive and one's defensive. He said, you're building the walls for protection, but yet you're fighting the enemy. And so God is teaching me literally the process to fight both offensively and defensively at the same time. How? Let's get real for a second. How do you fight for your marriage? By proclaiming the promises of God and staying committed to God's process. How do I fight for my kids in a culture that's never been more difficult and more full of lies? How do I fight for my kids? By confidence in God's word and commitment to God's process. Can I show you real quick in case you're wondering? I got a couple verses. I just wanted to show you because I thought it was pretty cool. All right, one of my favorite verses, I, I'll tell you all the time, I, I read this one to you. It's one of my memory verses, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. It says, do not be anxious about anything. Anybody in here struggling with mental health? It's more rampant than ever. How, how do I fight against mental health? In, in a culture that's moving it forward, how do I fight against it? Scripture says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Watch this. What's the promise that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus? What's the process? Present your request to God. Did you see it? The promise was there, but it came with a process. If I present my situation to God, God has promised me peace. So I'm fighting. I'm fighting with my confidence in God's word and my commitment to his process. Let's go to another one real quick. Just in case we got somebody in this room who hadn't quite mastered how to raise your kids yet, all right? I'll raise my hand, all right? You can be sensitive and real. Right? Here, Proverbs 22, 6, watch this. Train up a child in the way that he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. What's the promise? He will not depart from it. What's the process? Train them up. See what I mean? Once again, confidence in God's word that God will not let my child depart from it. What's my job? To train them up. So there's a process of me fighting and me building. Me fighting and me building. And it's not exhausting because I'm empowered by God. Give me another one. Watch this. We're not done. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. To every person in this room that's tired, tired of fighting, tired of being sick, tired of dealing with the same problem, tired of the same addictions, the same temptations, the same thoughts. Hey, what's God's promise? I will give you rest. What's the commitment to the process? Come to me. I like this because now it's getting even easier. Now my process is simply just going to God. And the process with the word. All right, one more, one more. Watch this. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. What's, what's the promise? 
renewed strength. What's the process? Hope. I lied, I got one more. Watch this. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. What's the promise? You've been saved. What's the process? Faith. And all of a sudden, it hit me, y'all. Every promise that God made me, there's two parts to it. There's the confidence in the promise, and there's the commitment to the process. So how do we fight for our marriages, and how do we fight for our families, and how do we fight for our finances, and how do we fight for our spiritual life? There's two things we have to learn to do. We have to be able to wield the word of God. This is the promise God's made me. And we got to continue to work the process. Do me a favor. Everybody stand with me for a second. Worship team, I'm going to invite you up. Prayer team, I'm going to invite you down. funny, I was just thinking, it's dangerous, right? What happens? What happens when life hits you so hard that it knocks you off the process? You know what I mean? Because here's what I'm learning about my walk with God, is while I often fail at the process, he never fails at his promise. So if in the middle of a situation, one's got to go, it's not the word, it's the work, right? If there's ever one that has to bend, it's not the promise of God, it's my ability to keep moving forward in the process. And so there is a moment, watch this, where some of us have to drop the tool and just hit our knees with the sword. I don't really know how to do this, God but I know how to hold this. You know what I mean? Like, I was good and I had the plan, but then things kind of went off for a second. And I know, I, I know at some point I'll pick the tool back up and I'll get back in the process. But right now, all I really know how to do is to hang tight onto this. The word of God, the promise of God, the fact that you're with me, that you'll never forsake me, the fact that I'm saved by grace, the fact that you love me, that you will finish the work that you started in me, that you are the author of my salvation, that you are the lily of the valley, sweet Rosa Sharon, that you are the risen king, the resurrected Christ, that no matter what happens, no matter how bad I fail, no matter how many mistakes I make, your promises are still yes and a I knew I was going to do this illustration. And y'all were doing worship. And you started talking about how it may look like I'm surrounded. But I'm surrounded by you. And I was picturing me up here with this sword and how I abandoned that tool for a moment. And I'm gripping onto the sword 
and I'm feeling overwhelmed and I feel surrounded by the enemy and his strategy and his plan and I just felt the Spirit of God say, just look again, just look again because you're not surrounded by the enemy, you're surrounded by God's promises. You ever been there where life was so tough on you that you couldn't quite understand how you were ever going to get back up on your knees and fight again? And it seemed like one thing after another. And if somebody would have pulled you aside and said, how are things going? You would say, man, I, I feel like I'm surrounded. I'm surrounded with bad news. I'm surrounded with bad situations. I'm surrounded by issue after issue after issue. And I just feel the Spirit of God telling us this morning, listen to me. It's the year of rebuilding. And it's okay for you to put the tool down for a second and embrace the sword and just put your arms up in the air for a moment and say, God, I don't know how, but you are good. Everything about you is great. And so I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know how you're going to heal my marriage. But God, I trust you because your promises are yes and amen. I don't know how you're going to help me raise this child, but your promises are yes and amen. I don't know how I'm going to get past this pain and this hurt, but your promises are yes and amen. I don't know how I'm going to survive. I don't know how you're going to provide. I don't know how I'm going to move forward, but your promises are yes and amen. Yes and amen. Close your eyes. Everybody in here, close your eyes. Come on, hands in the air just for a moment. Just for a moment. Whatever it is, whatever it is, the Spirit of God's been laying on your heart that this is the year for Him to do a rebuilding, that He's got to remove the past so that He can start building the future. Whatever it is right now, it's a marriage, it's a child, it's finances, it's a pain, it's a hurt, it's a past experience. Right now, I just want you to be able to give it to God. However you might do, just say, God, I need you. God, I need you. I need you so bad. I don't know how to do it. I need you. I need your promises. I need your word. I put down the tool. I grabbed the sword. You told me you would. You promised me you'd never leave me. You promised me you'd never forsake me. Oh, Jesus. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that you're real and you're near. And no matter what we're going through, Father, you're faithful right now. Like only you can do, I pray. Oh, Jesus. Father, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I want to invite you for a moment. We're just going to take a second and worship. If you need prayer, I want, to, I want to invite you down for prayer. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, we want to lead you in the sinner's prayer. But I'm just going to ask for a moment. Nobody leave just for a second. Really embrace this moment. Hands in the air, heart open. Let the Spirit of God remind you and affirm and confirm in your heart that his promise for you is yes and amen. I want you to proclaim it. Come on, I want you to proclaim it. 
Whatever it is that God's put in your heart, I want you to proclaim it. This is the year for it. This is the year for it, Father. And even though the enemy tells me I'm surrounded, Father, I am not surrounded by him. I'm surrounded by the promises of God. Come on, begin to pray. Worship team, begin to lead us. Come on, altars are open for prayer. Hallelujah, Jesus.